if you feel like you're pretty happy, like over 50% happy, I think that you're living in an element of wellness for Mm. you. Wellness for me is a day when I'm calm. I'm accepting that, yes, I still have this illness, but today's a good day. I'm Mm. living in my bubble of wellness. Welcome to Retreat Yourself Radio. I'm your host, Kate Williams. I'm a personal trainer, certified health coach, and founder of Retreat Yourself. If you're looking for a healthier, happier, and more fulfilled life, then you've come to the right place. Each week, I'll be diving deep into what it means to live a life well-lived, holding thought-provoking conversations with some of the world's most inspiring people, leaving you with actionable tips, tools, and takeaways so that you too can lead a life well-lived. So grab a cuppa, sit back, relax, and enjoy. It's time to begin your journey to your most incredible life. Hello, everybody. I hope you're having a wonderful day so far, wherever you are. In this episode, you'll meet my wonderful friend, Elise Carver, the legend behind the popular Instagram page, Little Bantam Surf Trainer, and also founder of Surf Style Training, a unique, holistic, and sustainable training approach. Elise has trained many elite surfers and athletes, but it's her real, raw, and no BS approach to health, wellness, and sustainable living that interests me the most. In this episode, you'll learn how you can use introspection to find your purpose, how to let go of who you think you are to become the real you, how to take the first steps to a more sustainable existence, and how to identify what wellness means to you. And as always, you'll hear Elise's top tips around our 10 wellness pillars, including mindset, relationships, nutrition, and way more, which you can read more about in our show notes. And if you scroll back, you'll find an episode from me introducing the 10 pillars. Also, seeing as this is one of my first episodes and for anybody that's new here, with each new episode, I create a beautiful downloadable takeaway where I've compiled all of the episode insights and put them into actionable tips for you to take away and apply to your life. You'll find this in the show notes, so don't forget to grab yourself a copy before you go. I really hope that you enjoy this conversation and please, if you're loving what you hear, take a screenshot and tag us at retreatyourself underscore radio on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you online. Okay, well, that's enough from me. Let's get into it. Hello, Elise. Thank you so much for joining me here. I'm super excited to have you on Retreat Yourself Radio. How are you going today? (laughs) Good, other than controllably laughing, I'm great. (laughs) (laughs) Laughter is always, always good. Um, I absolutely love following along your social media and I know I always feel super inspired and empowered after seeing everything that you do. So I'm super excited to have you here. (laughs) I always like to start the podcast by talking about things that are really kind of human. I think that people that have big social followings or who are experts in particular areas often seem kind of um, out of reach to a lot of people. So my first question for you is what is your quirkiest quality or the weirdest thing about you? I'm a massive Harry Potter fan, like stupidly (laughs) so. I literally just went on a weekend to Melbourne and it was Harry Potter trivia and uh, escape room like games. Oh, wow. And I got so miffed because there was this one – there was, I kid, I kid you not, there was this one like escape room exercise and you had to get the box and work out the code. And I was like, yes, I worked out the code in five minutes. <laughs> and then I had five minutes to work on this wooden puzzle egg. Uh-huh. And it was rigged. The thing was absolutely cactus. Like 
I was so pissed off because it took five minutes and myself with a couple of friends were like, why is this thing not coming apart? We have to get the code. We literally could not open it to the point where I called the woman. I said, my egg is rigged. And she's like, oh, is it now? And she thought I was just being a pain in the ass. I was like, try it. You show me. I bet you you can't do it. It was it was ridiculous. My friend's like, you know, so it was rigged. No, no, it just, it was stuck. It was like a faulty <laughs> egg and I was so pissed off and we ended up coming last, which was devastating. But yeah, I'm a massive Harry Potter, like huge Harry Potter So it was fan. a full Harry Potter escape room? Oh, like full on. It's at wow. this place called the Store of Requirements in Melbourne and they literally have an upstairs section. It looks like Hogwarts and there's like 13 tables in there. Did so. you dress up? Fuck yeah, I dressed up. Of course That's I dressed up. That's amazing. I always do. <laughs> oh, so good. I love Harry Potter too, but I, I can't say I'm that much of a fan. <laughs> it's. It, I think it became, my fanism became really extreme when I started writing my fantasy novels. So it was like, I was super inspired by JK Rowling. Yeah. So that's why it kind of just went into like hyperdrive. Awesome. Yeah. So for you guys who are listening, um, Elise is very much into fitness and sustainability and health, but she's also writing a fantasy novel. <laughs> Random. <laughs> Which is so good. I love that. <laughs> um, and also, what's your most embarrassing moment? That would have to be um, every time the first thing I think about is when I was 16 years old, I went to this club underage club called Juice in yeah. Ringwood. If anyone's listening and they know it, you'll know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I wore my, you know, glow mesh weave top and I thought I was going to be super sexy. In actual fact, I was one of the most unpopular people. So this was like my time to reclaim my independence type thing. <laughs> and I literally walked up and the enormous line was out the front and it had been raining and I stepped out of the car and went ass over tit and literally oh. fell backwards in front of the entire line. And that will go down in history as my most embarrassing moment ever. Wow. I was chatting to somebody the other day and they said they don't have any embarrassing moments. Oh, bullshit. I know. Everyone does. I think it's like the same thing. Were they female? Yes. I'm convinced that women have a better ability to block out pain because yeah. we have to deal with childbirth, so we just block it out. That's what she said. She was like, I think I've blocked out all the times. I think I asked that question because I have so many and I like other people to make me feel better about myself. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> um, so for those listeners who don't know who you are um, and also for the people that do know who you are, I would really like for you to kind of explain what you do in your own words. I think as much as I can explain it and I already have done a bit of an intro, about you. I think it's really important for you to kind of explain in your words what you do and kind of why you do it as well. I think that, um, you know, we often know what people do, but we don't necessarily know the reasons behind why they do it. So if you could please tell us, that would sure. be great. <laughs> uh, so I, look, if I was to say why it started when I was really, really young, I was, I, I grew up being relatively active, but mostly because I didn't have lots of friends. So my dad would pretty much take me rollerblading and horse riding and rock climbing. And he tried to get me to surf. And at the time I hated waves in the ocean. Go figure. <laughs> I know now that I'm a surf trainer. Um, and I grew up being relatively active. And then as I got older, I got into, you know, through all of my emotional stuff, got into drugs um, and lots of weed and yeah. uh, nightclubs and working in nightclubs and just a really unhealthy, unhealthy lifestyle. 
and then I had one defining moment when I was 21. I literally woke up after a weekend of just doing lines of cocaine mm-hmm. and I went, wow, that was amazing. And then I stopped and I was like, oh my God, that's so bad. That should not be what defines an amazing weekend or an amazing moment. Mm. So I pretty much a month later packed myself up and taken myself back to Frankston to live with my dad and started questioning what it was that I wanted to do. So I did a PT course, started moving into that. Um, and then I was looking at going down the coast more often and surfing. So eventually I moved to Torquay. Um, still by this time was a personal trainer, but didn't do it as much found that it was like, you know, it was like a photographer doing baby photography instead of landscape photography. I was working in a standard nine to five gym or these days, 24 hour gym. Um, and it just wasn't, it wasn't my jam. It was like, it was just all the focuses just seemed really superficial. Mm -hmm. So when I started surfing, I had to change the way I trained. Then around the same time, I also got chronic gastritis, which then changed the way I had to eat and live. Um, And over the past eight years, I've kind of moved into surf style training, which is a more sustainable way of fitness. Mm -hmm. So I train people as well as having the online program. And, um, I suppose it's been an evolution, like especially since moving down here, my life has been evolution. And now not only am I sharing sustainable health and fitness, but I'm now also sharing a sustainable way of living. So that's lifestyle and household and, you know, veggie gardening as well. So it's been like this progression through a lot of life lessons. (laughs) Which is amazing. And I feel like that's kind of the people that are the most authentic and kind of have the most to kind of offer have been through that progression because you've learned from the mistakes and everything. And can I just say at 21 to to have a big night (laughs) and wake up and be like, maybe I shouldn't like it this much is a big thing because I I don't think many 21-year-olds could do that. I think a lot of people get to their late 20s and then they're Mm. like, oh, gosh, what have I been doing? (laughs) It can be be easy to bury – I think it can be really easy to bury your head in the sand. I mean, Mm. luckily for me, even though my my life with my mother and my stepfather was pretty shit, um, I was lucky enough to have a father who – and he he has his issues as well – but I was lucky enough to have a father who was very introspective and always encouraged me to be introspective Mm -hmm. and question myself and why I'm here – And even though at a young age I didn't get that, obviously something sunk in and I realized, well, I'm just going about being mindless when I snort lines and I'm out five nights of the week. Mm. So obviously something stuck and I thank him every day for that, even though he drives me nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I think all of our parents do. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, I definitely think that the the whole introspection or introspectiveness, Mm. whatever you call it, (laughs) introspection. (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) Yeah. um, Is often a catalyst for, for change. And I think constantly questioning why you're doing things is such a great way to learn more about you and, um, you know, why you do things and, and more about what you want to do with your life. So mm, definitely super cool. So I also think as well that, um, you've, you've kind of, um, delved into a bit more about your journey and everything, but I think that a lot of the time, um, especially in this day and age, when people meet someone new, they often, then one of the first things I ask is, what do you do? And, you know, that becomes our identity, you know, you're a little bantam surf trainer and you do surf style training and that. But I personally think it's unhealthy to constantly identify ourselves 
yeah, fully with what totally we do. Totally agree. And so I would like you to tell us a little bit more about Elise. So what do you like to do behind your business and what gets you up in the morning aside from work? Oh my God. So um, it's actually a really great question because the reality that one of the things I've learned in my evolution, I suppose, is that um, even when I moved down to Torquay, I wanted to define myself as a surfer mm-hmm. uh, before I didn't really have an identity. And it served its purpose at the time. It got me out of being, I am Elise, the door bitch, or I am Elise, the bar host, mm-hmm. uh, which was great. But then it definitely had its expiration date. Like it got to a point where I was like, okay. I don't want to surf seven days a week. Yeah. I don't want to surf when it's fucking freezing cold <laughs> and I can't feel my toes. You got brain freeze. Exactly. <laughs> it, and it didn't make me feel better either. Mm. And I started realizing that unless I let go of this label and embrace myself for every single phase of my personality, every nook, cranny, crack, error, um, I was going to literally box myself in. So uh, I did, I mean, this didn't just come about naturally. I had to really work on it. I had to do years of therapy as yeah. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but now I am, my my name's Elise. I write fantasy novels. <laughs> Bizarre. I love Harry Potter. I rock climb, which is something I've done since I was 12, but I lost interest in it because I told myself I had to be something else. Um, I love horse riding. I'm going to be getting a horse soon. Yeah, that's so exciting. <laughs> I know, I know. So um, what else? God, I love movies. Um, training is not my entire life. Training and fitness is probably only 20% of my life. I love veggie gardening and looking after my quails. Um, I am a big believer in we need to put the planet first. I mean, mm-hmm. if all the news lately doesn't tell you that, then you need to wake up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I mean, that's me, you know, I'm not, I don't go out and party though. I do like to have a dance. I don't drink. Um, I don't smoke, but I'll definitely have a hash cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of, I'm not one thing. I don't fit in one box. I'm yeah. not like, you know, I'm not like a surfer. I'm not a rock chick. I'm not a, a hippie. I'm not a fitness guru. I'm just kind of a bit of everything. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, Elise and I were actually chatting before we started this podcast just about people and kind of how the world works. And it's funny how people cling to identities. Like you have to feel like you need to fit in a certain box to be accepted and to be loved and that kind of thing. And it's just, yeah, I think social media is such a great, powerful tool, but I think that that also assists in making people feel like they need to cling to certain things, trends or, you know, I'm a yogi or I'm a vegan. Not that I've got anything against yogis or vegans, but it's just it becomes your whole identity or I'm a business owner and that becomes your identity. And it's like you're so much more than just that, you know. That's exactly it. Like I always say to people now if if we have these conversations, I'm always like the world is full of extremes. Mm -hmm. And the sad thing is society celebrates extremes. You know, we – pat people on the back or pay them lots of money if they're really good at one thing, you know, like one thing. And how limiting is that? Whereas if we celebrated everyone for all their different aspects, Mm -hmm. one, everyone would feel so much more um, involved and welcome in their community. Mm -hmm. Uh, There would also be a lot less pressure on people, whether it's pressure they put on themselves or pressure that other people put on them. I think that this this world of extremes is just, it's not sustainable. And that's mm-hmm. part of what I talk about now is that it's not sustainable to be focused on one thing because as we 
grow old, we learn new things. We find new things that we love. That's how the brain develops is new things, not the same shit every day. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. Totally. With, with surf style training. So let's talk a little bit about that. Mm. So obviously you were in traditional fitness and you thought, this isn't really for me. You want to become a surfer and that kind of thing. How did you learn about surf style training and the specific stuff that you had to do? And, and what, what is the difference with that and normal training? So this is, um, it's actually a really interesting question purely because for me, emotionally, even now, no matter how much work I've done on it, it still triggers emotionally because, you know, again, we're in a world that's driven by documents. What course have you done? Who have you professionally worked with? Mm, mm-hmm. What degree do you have? And the truth of it is I have a personal training degree, like not degree, a Cert 3, Cert 4. So it's like, you know, your base level. And then I did a whole bunch of short courses throughout it. But I don't have a bachelor in, in biomechanics or science or anything like that. A lot of what I've done and developed has come from personal experience, mm-hmm. has come from working with clients either pro bono or, you know, really inexpensive So working with people with knee, hip, ankle injuries, it's come from working with people who are beginners to intermediate that want to improve their surfing, testing methods. It's come from working and listening to other specialists who are more experienced than me, whether it's physios, osteos, remedial massage therapists, or by, you know, people who are trainers with um, body science degrees, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what I've done is on instinct, um, and I suppose there are, there, there are possibly people who are listening, they're going, oh, my God, this is someone who's airy-fairy. In my opinion, some of the best specialists, specialists out there who work with bodies are actually really instinctual. Mm-hmm. What they do is what they feel. What they feel works and what they see and then their brain works in this way that's so unique to what's given to you in a book. And it took me a really long time to own that and realize that the reason I get good results with people is because I act instinctually. I don't write down a program beforehand. Um, And I basically started the surf style training thing because I went from being five to six kilos heavier in muscle myself and then came back, came down here and started um, traveling down here and going, oh my God, I'm going to sink in the water. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Not a good feeling. Um, And realized that I needed to change the way my body was working. I was too stiff. um, I was too heavy. I wasn't reactive enough. I wasn't fast enough. My heart and lung capacity were terrible. So I had to start addressing those issues. And then on top of it, I have um, hypermobility, minor lumbar um, rotation or scoliosis through my spine. So then they were things that I had to take into consideration as well. Mm. So it's, yeah, it's basically instinct evolution and um, a need for sustainable health. Yeah. I also think as well, like when you understand how the body works, you don't necessarily, I think being a personal trainer and doing self-study and also learning more along the way, you understand how everything ties. It is a holistic picture because you've got a sore shoulder doesn't mean that your shoulder's sore. It could mean that you're weak in your pecs or something like that. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I totally, I know we're we're kind of, I think we're kind of transitioning away from that a little bit and that you need a degree to know this kind of stuff. When it comes to body and stuff, you you are learning these things through courses and stuff. So yeah. 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 No, I look, and I hope so because I think to, I don't think, look, I think degrees and and study is totally valid, Mm -hmm. but I also think that there is a lot of room for, for learning off, learning out of experience and by working with you know, intelligent people and yes. by, you know, trial and error. Yeah. 
test it out. Be observant. Take a breath and have a look up rather than staring at your book. Yeah, Do you know exactly. What I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. I've also noticed on your social media that you've made a bit of a transition towards more sustainable living, which is amazing to see. Um, I know that that's a huge thing at the moment. So what kind of prompted this Um you know, what, what made you want to transition a little bit more towards that? So, I mean, my husband and I have been practicing sustainable living ourselves probably for about three or four years. Mm -hmm. Like I used to be one of those people who would just buy things and not even think about what they're wrapped in, where they've come from hundred percent. And then we bought a house, um, it'll be four years today, today. Yeah, congratulations. I think so. <laughs> so we bought our house and then we right, we always liked the idea of veggie gardens and then we started with the veggie garden um, and then we started with fruit trees and then we started doing composting because we needed soil and then we started thinking about buying bulk and, again, evolution. We just kind of picked one thing up after the other. So it's been a transition over like three or four years. Um, and part of – the evolution was that I looked at my social media and I started becoming really disheartened with the message that I was sharing because I realized it was literally only like 15, 20% of my life. Training, recovery, food, that is only 15, 20% of my life about, you know, 15, 20% of what I care about. So I thought, well, if I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to keep sharing this message, I need to share what I actually have a heart in. Mm. And that is living sustainably. That is living sustainably, mind, body, soul, lifestyle, household, garden, health, fitness, the whole thing. Yeah. And that definitely comes across in your social media. <laughs> I love it. It's so refreshing. Like, yeah, looking at your page and seeing all the different things you're doing. I'm like, wow, that's <laughs> impressive. It's definitely <laughs> dynamic. I always wondered whether maybe I mean, you can definitely see fluctuations. People who are like, I just want to know about workouts and fitness, they'll kind of disappear. But what's great is that the audience that I have ended up gaining are people who are way more involved. I'm getting people who are like, I never even thought about these sustainable mm. like things that you're doing. Great. How do I do this? Like I did a video that was um, planting seedlings in toilet rolls. Wow. Cool. And people fucking loved it. And I started getting photos of people's like sprouts coming up out of their toilet oh, rolls. Oh, that's so good. And it was just, it just made me so happy to see people getting the same enjoyment out of it as I was. So it's really cool to see an audience grow with you. Yeah. And yeah. that's the whole thing. I think like the, the saying goes, your vibe attracts your tribe, but it's so true. Yeah. Like what you put out there, you, you get back. Yeah. Um, and also what you're saying about it being an evolution, I think that's a huge thing that needs to be kind of, people need to take that on board because you look at like what, you know, you see the situation that the world's in at the yeah. moment and it's like, where do I begin? What do I need to do to help change this? And it's like, just start with one thing. And it actually applies to so many different things. So true. You don't know what to do with your life. Um, just try one thing. I mean, that's okay. the thing. When does, when does like, when did binge health eating ever work? Or yeah. when you go on a strict diet, what happens? Three weeks later, you backlash. Mm -hmm. If you are super, super harsh on yourself, it's not going to stick. It's like, yeah. if you want to build a habit, do one thing at a time. And that's, that applies to everything. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. And it's also, and it's also practice, I suppose, as well. It's not like, yeah. you know, you can't if, say, for example, playing the piano, you're not just going to all of a sudden be an amazing piano player. No. You just, one day you learn Bar Bar Black Sheep. <laughs> the next day you didn't learn to <laughs> I wish I knew how to play Bar Bar Black Sheep. <laughs> and then the next week you play Mozart. <laughs> oh yeah. That would be, or Buck. That would be incredible. <laughs> oh, so with all of this, um, you know, your evolution into surf style training and all of that kind of thing, what would you say? the biggest thing that you've kind of found challenging is 
I reckon, believe it or not, it's um, actually the way I was received into the community. I was really held at an arm's length um, because I wasn't born here. I haven't surfed all my life. I came at surf training from a very different angle to what was traditionally um, what was traditionally delivered. You know, like surf coaching, and all that absolutely has its merit without a doubt. But because I came at it from a different aspect, that you can actually improve your surfing skills on land without having to surf. Um, I was really kind of, there was a lot of pushback. A lot of people did not like me. And even though they didn't outwardly say, I don't like you, you could really feel it. And I even tried to connect with a few of these people and they just like just say, hey, can I connect with you? I'll help you out. You know, is there anything I can do? Nothing. They didn't want to know about it. And that was actually the hardest thing. But I think you kind of, when you do these things, you realize that no one People who are traditionally in a field, they never like anything different that comes along. People don't like change. No, they don't. And if you're the person coming in with the change and people are like, who are you to – Yeah. It's with anything though. Like yeah. I feel like anytime somebody comes out with this drastic change or this great new idea, yeah. people don't want their world rattled. Like, no, totally. You know? It's like it's like the whole – I feel like it's the same attitude as localism. It's like even if someone who isn't local to an area comes in and they bring something great with them, the, the local people, mm. um, there will be some people who will be pissed and their nose would put, be put out of joint. So I really just kind of had to turn the cheek and try and ignore it. It's hard though. Like it's really hard. Yeah. And how did you kind of push through? Did you just ignore it? Or oh, you just- I just, I gave up trying to impress them. And yeah. the minute I gave up trying to impress them and went, you know what, I'm going to do this the way that feels right for me everything just kind of slid into place. And I bet those people all have a lot of respect for you now. Oh, I don't know. I don't even talk to them. (laughs) Like you see them and you smile and you say hello. But now I think it's kind of, you know, after like what I've been in business down here for six and a half years, I've been doing the surf style training thing. And now, you know, there's like, there's no way they can go, oh, she won't last. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of undeniable. It's like without trying to impress someone, you've gone, no, what I'm doing works. Yeah. And there's nothing you can say about it because six years later I'm still here. Yeah, exactly. So, so for you guys listening, Lise um, also lives in Torquay on the surf coast with me. So Yay. when she says down here, that's what she's talking about. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> down here in the very, very bottom of Australia, aside yeah. from Tassie. <laughs> Which is a beautiful place on the beach, but today it is very overcast and cold and we had a smoothie bowl for breakfast and we're freezing afterwards. <laughs> that was your idea. Rookie mistake. <laughs> so... Just talking about wellness as a whole, um, Mm -hmm. because obviously everything that you're doing is very much about the holistic picture of wellness. And and a big thing that Retreat Yourself is about, it's it's looking at your health as a whole picture. It's not just the food that you eat. It's not just the exercise that you do. It's the thoughts that you think. It's the relationships that you have. It's how much fun you're having. It's the whole picture. Um, And through this podcast, we're really trying to get that across to the people listening that you can lead a healthy life. You don't have to have a perfect diet all of the time. It's about, you know, and for me, my, you know, the part that I think is most important is is your mind and mindset. Um, mm. But I think wellness kind of means something a little bit different to everybody mm. and it's not this perfect picture of life. So I'd like to know what wellness means to you if you had to say in a sentence. <laughs> hey, let's limit that one. Um, Ten seconds. <laughs> wellness to me would be if you find yourself pretty happy 60, 70% of the time, I think you're doing pretty well. Mm. If you find yourself happy 
80% of the time, you're doing much better than most. If you find yourself 90, 95% happy most of the time, then I've, I think you're doing excellent. The thing is, is I think wellness comes in different shapes for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think wellness depends on the individual. If you feel like you're pretty happy, like over 50% happy, I think that you're living in an element of wellness for Mm. you. I don't think it can be, I don't think it can be judged for everyone. I mean, you've got people who have traumatic events that they're dealing with. You've got people who have chronic depression or chronic illness. Wellness for someone, say for example, I've got, I've had chronic gastritis for six years. Wellness for me is a day when I'm calm. I'm accepting that, yes, I still have this illness, but today's a good day. I'm Mm. living in my bubble of wellness. And I think it varies every day. Yeah, 100%. It's definitely not a perfect picture. And I think going back to the whole social media conversation, I feel like it always veers this way. But Mm. I think on social media, there was a very big, you know, there's been such a huge wave towards wellness. And I think that it used to be like perfectly curated feeds. It was like, you know, having a smoothie bowl. We had a smoothie bowl this morning, but like beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but it was delicious. Yeah. (laughs) Smoothie bowls every day and like having a perfect diet and being happy all of the time. But yeah, that's not, I don't think that that's realistic. And I think that to me, even though I ask you the question, I'm just going to put my two cents in there. To me, <laughs> it's good. To, to me, wellness is, um, yeah, being accepting of those days. Totally. And being feeling. accepting of yourself yeah. in all your aspects, in all your fault, faults and all your positive aspects as well. Like just being happy with you and who you are and where you're at. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you mentioned before about your, your gut issues with gastritis and stuff. Yeah. Would that be your biggest wellness issue, would you say? Definitely. It's been a, it's been a journey. <laughs> um, I had to, you know what? I actually did a post the other day, because uh, again, social media, but I share everything on there. I don't mm. mind. Um, I did a post the other day and it was literally, I said, I would not take back my abuse, my trauma and my chronic illness ever because of the things that I've learned about mm. myself mm. and where I've come from it. And so with gastritis, that really taught me that I don't deal with stress very well at all. Mm-hmm. So that was my first starting point. Then I went into a couple of years of therapy because there's no way I was going to reduce my stress, my internal stress, if I didn't deal with my issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and then food, even though I was doing it at the time, became a third focus. Um, and it's definitely been a massive, massive learning curve, but I'm now coming out of the end of it. I'm down to a quarter dosage of my medication for the first time in six years. And I can actually see light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. And I will never be perfect. It will never be perfect. I will always have a sensitive stomach, but knowing that I can have good days, that is, that is my, if I wake up and my stomach's not burning, Straight away, I'm in my wellness zone. I'm like, fuck yeah, today is going to be a good day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so awesome. And it is such a holistic picture, isn't it? Because there's so much research at the moment going into the mind, gut, and emotions I reckon the stomach is like, I mean, they say it's your second brain. I kind of think it's your first brain. I mean, (laughs) everything sits there, nervous system, libido, um, all the sources for anxiety, depression. I mean, your stomach is like it's your first port of call. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely agree. Mm. So um, 
basically what we like to do at the end of like an interview is mm-hmm. to kind of wrap things up is to do a bit of a rapid fire sort of oh, Jesus Christ <laughs> this is where I struggle so guys <laughs> I'm like I can't answer in one word <laughs> nah not really rapid fire but just kind of a sentence because yeah. at the end of each episode basically what I do is go through and pick out all of the um, bits and pieces or pieces of yeah. advice that you've given and put them into practical kind of perfect t- tools and tips and takeaways that people can use and apply to their life so yeah. We build Retreat Yourself from the 10 pillars, like mm-hmm. I was talking to you about before. Yeah. Uh, so it's basically a question under each of the 10 pillars and what you do to kind of be better or more balanced in that area. So Shoot. if you can't answer the question, just say something. Oh, no, I'll answer it. I never have a problem finding words. <laughs> Neither. <laughs> All right. So we're going to start with mind. What do you think is the one most important thing you can do to practice when it comes to mindset? Thinking about one thing at a time. Yes. hundred percent. Is that short enough? That sentence? That's great. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people struggle with that. I certainly do. 50 <laughs> thoughts at once. I'm like, I, know, ah. like, I could keep going, but in one sentence, oh, you think can say about it one thing one at a time. Well, um, I think that Oh, look, basically I think that a lot of people think that in order to be mindful or meditate, they need to think about nothing. I kind of think it's unrealistic, but if you can do something where you focus on one thing, Mm -hmm. like you surf, you focus on just surfing. You go for a walk, you focus on nature around you. Just take moments each day to think about one thing at a time. Yeah. And also, like I think meditation isn't necessarily turning your thoughts off because that's not possible. 100%. That's exactly it. It's just not engaging with your busy mind. Yeah, precisely. Exactly. Okay, cool. Oh, good. I'm glad we agree. (laughs) Great work. Um, (laughs) Nutrition. What is your top nutrition tip? Oh, this is a fun one. Um, Because I have done so much healing in the past, it's not even 12 months, past nine months with my gastritis, I would definitely say that reducing our fat intake, um, especially animal fats, is a great way to reduce the load off your liver, mm-hmm. making it easier for the body to recover. Awesome. And that was medical medium. Yeah, that was medical medium. That's what I've started doing. And I'm not like anything, I've personalized it to myself, but definitely limiting um fats especially animal fats has been a game changer for me yeah that's like trans fats and stuff like that yeah so it's like it's like cheese dairy Mm -hmm. uh eggs as well because eggs feed um some of the bad bacteria talks about like strep um and fish chicken meat that type of thing yeah yeah cool all right movement your area of expertise (laughs) yeah (laughs) what is your top trick to exercising regularly Oh, Jesus, considering I've been so bad with this the last couple of weeks. <laughs> bad timing. Um, bad timing. Um, when you feel like you're overwhelmed, the best thing to do is just stick with one thing a day. Yeah. Literally. And that I'm not saying it has to be training, but like one day you might train, even if it's low-grade stuff. The next day you might go for a, a 30, 40-minute walk. The next day you might surf. Just remember to move once a day. Just being active. Just be active. I just move like once a day. Just simplifying. Totally. This whole theory that we need to train like five to seven days a week, it's such a load of shit. Mm. It yep. really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Love. What do you think is the number one component in a healthy relationship? Patience. Yes. <laughs> Patience. I've been with my husband eight years now. 
And we are both fiery, both born on the same day. It's like looking at myself with a penis <laughs> and literally, and I need to be really, really patient. If I'm patient, everything's okay. Okay, good. Take that on board. <laughs> yes, you're getting married soon, so you must think about this. It all changes when you're married. I'm joking. <laughs> Nothing changes with you're married. The only thing that changes is that you know if they leave, they're going to come back. That's about it. <laughs> they're not gone forever. <laughs> they're not gone forever. <laughs> All right. Purpose. What is your number one piece of advice you'd give to somebody trying to find their purpose? Oh my God. I could almost say patience again, but um, I'm going to say introspection. So being willing to look at yourself, look Mm. at what triggers you, what makes you angry, what makes you cry, um, what what brings up strong emotions in you, what makes you smile, what makes you happy, always questioning why you feel the way you feel because I feel like emotions are a massive gateway to your purpose. I feel like that's a really great answer. Thanks. Because it all starts with you. Yeah, it does. (laughs) (laughs) What is your best way to spend me time? Me time looks like gardening followed by Saging the house followed by vacuuming the house. I know, very strange. Wow. Yeah, because it's a whole process. <laughs> followed by, you know, you've got to like clear the room, exercise yeah, the vacuuming. demon. Oh. Yeah, but I mean, you know, vacuuming, like vacuums up all the shit. It's a metaphor, right? Yes, okay, okay. <laughs> Cleansing. So saging, like saging to cleanse, vacuuming, followed by a bath, followed by making a pie or a crumble. I love wow. baking. Followed by a movie with that pie or crumble for dinner. Wow. Yeah, that's that sounds, me. I like that part. That's the me. vacuuming part I'd probably leave behind. I think I've been banned from vacuuming in this house. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. <laughs> See, I like I like the vacuuming because our house is so small that it literally plugs into one plug and can reach everywhere. That's the worst part. When it goes into a plug and you go around the corner and the plug comes out of the wall. Yeah, never have that oh, issue. Just okay. get a tiny house and you're fine. <laughs> Luckily, my partner is very clean and he gets frustrated with me not being good at it, so he just takes that job. Just so you know, she's lying. She's trying to make him feel better. <laughs> Andrew, if you're listening. <laughs> Andrew. (laughs) Okay. Sleep. What is your best way to get to sleep? Uh, Reading. Definitely reading before bed. Um, I mean, I have bad days, but I stick to a routine and I make sure that I get into bed an hour before I want to be asleep and I read. Um, Obviously reading a book, not on a screen. Mm -hmm. That is one of the biggest things is getting off a screen. So it kind of comes hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That blue light coming from the I have everything set to yellow light and it's amazing. I still find if I'm looking at my phone within half an hour of bed, I won't sleep mm. because it's like what I'm doing is activating my mind as well as the screen. Yeah. I'm thinking I need to just switch off. Mm. Yeah. Think about one thing. Exactly. Simplify. <laughs> uh, environment. One easy step to becoming more environmentally friendly. Oh, I like this question. Um, remove single-use items from your life. Okay. It's like one thing. And I know people are probably going, that's a massive thing. But if you simplify it and you go, I'm just going to release or reduce single items from my life, Mm. then you're covered, honestly. But do you find Mm. that that's difficult when it comes to things like coconut yogurt or that kind of stuff? Because, you know what, for me, I take that back. For other people it might be difficult, but for me I think because – you have I a big have, garden. Because well, I have a big garden. <laughs> I grow coconuts. No. <laughs> no, it's it's more because I 
because I'm so set and that is my that is my purpose for me as one of my massive purposes. I go without. Mm. There's a lot of things I go without and people go, oh, my God, how can you go without that? And I'm like, because my driving force is to reduce my impact on the planet. Mm. So it depends on the per- it depends on the person. But at the same time, by me saying to you, remove single-use items from your life, I'm not saying be perfect about it. I'm saying try. Yeah. We yeah. don't need everyone to do, do um, sustainability perfectly. We just need a lot of people to do it imperfectly. Hmm. If we do it imperfectly, we're still making an impact. The only one thing that I will say is if people walk into a coffee shop and get a coffee in a single-use coffee cup, if I was there, I would slap it out of your hand because that's just <laughs> ignorant. <laughs> so if you see Elise at the cafe, make sure you run or don't order a single-use cup. <laughs> yeah, run. Run very fast. <laughs> I've got a mean backhand. <laughs> okay, we've got two more. So self-care, how do you look after yourself when you don't have time? Oh, God. Um I'm trying to think back to when I didn't have time. I pretty much designed my life around having time now. Um, But when I didn't have time was sleep. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to do it is go to bed early. If you really need to, wake up late. So you got more energy, I suppose. Well, it's just better time to recover. It's a time for your subconscious to unpack. Yeah. I mean, if you want to think of something really easy, sleep more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now I have plenty of time. I made sure of that. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) And last but definitely not least uh, is fun. What is something fun that you think people should try? And don't say Harry Potter. (laughs) Harry Potter. Why not? (laughs) Scare rooms or whatever they're called. Escape rooms. Escape rooms. Escape rooms, Kate. (laughs) One day I'm going to drag you to one. Um, I would say, oh, look, I think the most obvious one would be surfing. Yeah. Surfing is just because you don't have to be hardcore on a shortboard. You can surf a longboard. You can just go out there and sit on the board and do nothing. But just the act of surfing encompasses so much more than just catching the wave. Yeah. You know, you're in nature. It's one thing that I would definitely say no matter no matter what I have on my mind every time I go out, I literally have one thing on my mind and that's trying to catch a wave. Yeah. So surfing is definitely something I would say nice. try it. Maybe if you don't like the cold, try it somewhere warmer first. <laughs> don't scare don't do yourself. It in, <laughs> in winter. Maybe not in the middle of like August or September. Uh, or you will get brain freeze. <laughs> yes, that will happen. Do you have anything else that you wanted to add around living a well-lived life or finding a sense of wellness in your everyday? I think the only thing I would probably say is that when, whatever you're doing, just remember life is evolution and you're probably i mean you're probably not even going to hit your ultimate goal of the human being that you want to be till the day you decide to leave this planet mm. it's it's evolution we are learning every day every minute every second it's changing yeah and with with knowing that you are evolving constantly comes patience mm-hmm. be patient with yourself yeah that would be it. So wise. Oh, I know. <laughs> Thank ah. you so, 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 so much for joining me today. It's Thank been you for so having good. Me. Um, for you guys listening, I'll put Elise's uh, Instagram page in the show notes and you can find all of the notes there. Thank you so much. Bye. <laughs> have to say about this episode is wow. As I'm sure you can agree, Elise is an absolute bundle of enthusiasm and exudes realness. If you're wanting to find out more about Elise, her sustainable lifestyle or surf style training, you'll find her on Instagram at Little Bantam Surf Trainer or 
littlebantamhealthandfitness.com.au and I'll also post these in the show notes. You'll also find the downloadable takeaway with all of the actionable tools and tips from this episode, including Lisa's epic tips around our 10 pillars of wellness. As always, your support means the absolute world to me and really encourages me to keep going. So if you could pretty please just take a few seconds to review the podcast, I'll be so incredibly grateful. You guys are absolutely amazing and I cannot wait to catch you next time. 